This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Yesterday, you guys heard from Jim Fowler. He's a SaaS entrepreneur and Salesforce bought his company for 175 million bucks in 2010. You're not gonna believe what he's doing now. Okay, Top Tribe, I am stoked you're with us again this morning. I hope your jog's going well. I'm tucked here in the Appalachian Mountains as usual. Excited the Redskins seem to finally be doing well, getting their groove on, and you're gonna love our guest today. His name is Ryan Farley. Now, Ryan is the co-founder of a company called Lawn Starter, a startup focused on making it easy to order lawn care. He currently leads growth, he currently leads growth and marketing for the company, and outside of work, enjoys getting out in Austin and playing with his dog named Trevor. Ryan, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm ready. All right, dude, I'm excited for this. Um, you know, we knew each, I don't know, was four or five years ago we knew each other through Pallet, yeah, like this that. crazy thing called Pallet Town. You took a job at Citibank or Citigroup. Which one? Capital One. Oh, neither. Capital One. Um, close, enough. close enough. Steve, your co-founder, started working on this I thought it was a dumbass idea, and I told him that, and you guys have proved me wrong. So I'm looking forward to this. But long story short, what did I miss about what Lawn Starter does? And then let's build the story backwards. Yeah, so we're a, we're a two-sided, on-demand sort of marketplace. Um, you know, on the consumer side, if you need lawn care for your home, um, rather than having to call around and play phone tag, you just enter your address, we price it for you, schedule it for you, all, all automatically. It takes about a minute. And uh, the, lo on the local lawn care providers actually doing the work. We provide a lot of back-end infrastructure and software to help them run their businesses better. So it's kind of like a, a two-sided marketplace that really benefits both sides. Now, this episode is going to be great, Top Tribe. For those of you that are students looking to start your own business or drop out and start your own business, and also people looking to drop out of corporate and start your own thing, Ryan left a job at Capital One. Ryan, how much were you making at Capital One? Uh, so I quit the day I got promoted. I would have been making about 100 all in. Okay. Uh, the next year. So that's kind of ballsy. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Why'd you do it? Um, well, I mean, it was just like, I, I was working with a lot of really smart people and I kind of just realized that like they were too smart to ever do something like this. Um, and you know, my thought was like, you know, if I leave work, you know, I'll, there's never a better time to try than right now. And worst case, I learn a bunch of stuff and come back and do the same boring job for six figures anyway. So it's like, there wasn't really any downside to doing it. It wasn't like I had a mortgage or a family that I couldn't support if I did that. So it's really all upside. Well, you're, so your co-founder, Steve, he, did he, he dropped out of Virginia tech, right? Yeah. He had one semester left. He had one. So he dropped out. He was working on this a little bit before. And I remember him telling me, he's like, Nathan, I, I want to convince Ryan to like, stop this banking thing and come do this. When he pitched it to you, why did you say yes? Um, so you know, I knew I wanted to do something and I, I actually was like working on it during mornings and nights with him. And I would get up at five in the morning and go pass out flyers for this service that like really half existed called Lawn Starter. Actually, it wasn't even called that at the time. And like, we got like 10 customers for me passing out these shitty looking black and white flyers. <laughs> and I was like, okay, like 
<laughs> at least there's something here. Like, you know, that was enough traction to make me think, okay, like this, this could be done. So like, I, I, I'll never forget the conversations we had. Cause I'm going, you guys don't know this about, you know, listeners, you don't know this about Ryan and Steve, but they were, they were both like extremely intelligent in anything financial related. They both ran a, a group called seed at Virginia tech, which managed what over $4 million of equities. Uh, I think it was five or six, yeah, yeah, five or six million bucks in equities. And, you know, yeah, capital one. And I'm like, you guys are freaking crazy. Like you need to build like a, like a financial startup or something like, so Ryan, why on earth lawn care? Who the hell cares about lawns? Uh, well, a lot of people, um, basically the kind of the way we got the idea is Steve's friend decided to quit his accounting job and start a lawn care company. And that just kind of got us d- digging into the industry. Um, and you know, it was something that it was a huge market, $74 billion annually, and like ob- very, very obvious problems. It wasn't like a business where it's like, you know, a lot of, you know, well, really successful social networks where it's like we the need doesn't net, not yet exist. It was like this need is so obvious, and it was something that we could really get into. So it's not like we went into this being passionate about lawn and landscaping, but it was something that we could become passionate about and something that was just so obvious that needed to be done. So let me real quick, there are people listening right now wondering, should I keep listening to this or should I stop now? Let me just ask a few questions because I, this is, I mean, your story is really, really relatable to listeners. How many total employees now do you guys have in Austin? Uh, 19. Okay. And total amount of money raised? 7.25 million. Okay. And how old's the business? About two years. Okay. So guys, Ryan, how old are you? 24. How old is Steve? 23. Okay. So guys keep listening. I'm going to ask as best I can questions that help you guys understand why they've had so much success. So first off, you guys did something very untraditional. Look, I even said you guys are crazy. You went into a very unsexy business, but you felt you could do something basically. And Ryan, why did you feel like you guys would win in the end in the lawn care space? What you said, obvious problems. What was the obvious problem? So, I mean, on the customer side, you know, it was, like, that's like something that everybody knows. Like everybody we talked to is just like, yeah, getting lawn care was a pain. Um, but I think that what we did better than a lot of our less impressive competitors is we really dug in to understand why is it a pain. And the, the real answer is that your average lawn care company doesn't have the time, business expertise, or technology infrastructure to provide a good customer experience. Um, and we spent a lot of time really digging down into that and understanding that side. Because everybody says, oh, we're going to go be Uber for this. People call us Uber for lawn care. But we don't see ourselves as that. We didn't start off trying to be like that. We started off trying to solve problems of business owners. Got it. So walk me through, I go to your website, lawnstarter.com. It says lawnstarter makes lawn care easy. And it says, enter email for a quick and easy price. What's next? So you type in your address, type in your name and phone number. And basically our algorithm calculates your yard size, um, and gives you a price, which is market rate for wherever you live. If you wait, live wait, in one wait. How, how are you, how are you calculating lawn size just from address? So we pull, we pull all the public information about your house. Um, it's available everywhere. Um, and from there, you know, we, we surveyed the, you know, the local landscapers to figure out what market rate pricing is. Um, so that's the price you're getting. You select your service date, 
um, enter your credit card info, and you're pretty much done. Um, and then, you know, as your service go- goes on going, you know, we let you know when it's time for seasonal services like leaf removal or fertilization or aeration. When it rains, um, this is a big problem, you know, because it'll rain and it'll delay schedules. And, you know, people don't know, like, shit, should I leave my dog out or mm-hmm. should I bring him in today? So we keep you in the loop uh, via push notifications, SMS, and email um, to help out with uh, that kind of like not knowing when the service is going to be done. Um, and you know, our customer support is always there around the clock to help you out. So help me understand how many, again, you said two, three years old, how many people have paid you guys to mow their lawn at least once? At least, uh, over 2000. Okay. Over 2000. And how many cities are you guys in now? Uh, so we're in three cities, the DC area, Austin and Orlando. Okay. Got it. And, and so help folks understand, um, the 2000 people that have paid you on average, what are they paying you per lawn cut? Per lawn cut, somewhere between forty and fifty dollars. Okay, and you and you really qualified that. Why? I feel like there's something else there. You said per lawn cut, forty to fifty bucks. Is there something that's not per lawn cut? Well, no, but the the fact is that most of our customers are on subscription, so we expect them to stay with us for many, many lawn cuts. Oh, okay. So on average, of the two thousand customers, how many times have you cut their lawn? That's hard to say. I mean, our our, our customer. After five services, 85% of our customers are still with us. Okay, after five services. And what is the service frequency? Once or twice a month? Yeah, it depends on geography. It's anywhere between. It's usually weekly or biweekly. Sometimes we have these things called droughts here in Texas. And uh, <laughs> when that happens, we have to switch to monthly. Got it. Okay, interesting. So the subscription services. So are you guys thinking about things like lifetime value and CAC and ARPU? A, listen, a lot of the listeners are SaaS entrepreneurs. Yeah, so we we definitely think about lifetime value. We've only had had one season where we've had a, a lot of customers, so we don't quite know our lifetime value because we don't know how many people are going to stay the following season and the year after that. But what we think of everything's in terms of yearly value right now, and that's kind of how we peg all of our uh, marketing costs and, and whatnot. So, what's the yearly value of a customer on average? It's between two and three hundred dollars. Got it. And how much are you willing to spend to acquire that two or three hundred dollar customer? Uh, well, we're you know <laughs> this past spring we probably you know, we were we were pretty aggressive about it, and we went close to that two hundred dollar mark because we were collecting so much data by doing that. Um, right now, we kind of have a hundred dollar limit or so, just based the way based on how we budgeted everything out. Well. And, and you tell the story in like such a sexy way, but like I remember you guys with direct response, like printed eight and a half by eleven sheets in New Spark and Blacksburg, going like, okay, does the <laughs> copy at the top of this page going to work when we put it in someone's like inbox? Should we do a postcard or should we do an envelope? Because if they don't have an envelope, then the thing inside doesn't matter. I mean, you guys tested all this stuff just using pure hustle. Yeah, I mean, in the very beginning, we we were passing out these flyers by hand, and uh, you know. All of the customer support was done by us. All we, our whole operation ran on a Google Doc for a while. We didn't even really have any backend software. And you guys, you know what's great? If you can't tell, if you can't hear Ryan's background, he is actually mowing a lawn right now. <laughs> 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 that's why it sounds windy, and that's why he's out of breath. Do things that don't scale. There you go. No, I love that. I love that. Okay, so um, walk me through, let's say a customer pays you 200 bucks for a year on average. How do you, how does Lawn Starter make money from that? You obviously have to pay people actually cutting the lawn, right? Sure. So that too, so actually a customer ends up paying us a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars a year depending on how what kind of services they're getting so that two hundred dollars reflects essentially our cut of the revenue share so 
you know, we take between 15 and 20%, depending on the service. Um, and then the lawn care company gets the rest. So is it fair to say with 2000 customers and you, again, top line, you're charging somewhere around 1500 bucks a year, but you have payments to lawn care providers. So you guys are making 200 bucks per 2000 customers. Is it fair to say revenues are somewhere around half a million or more? Uh, by the end of this year, yeah, it should be around that. That and, amount. and how are you guys thinking about, so half a million top line, you then have your own costs internally, things like marketing costs or hosting costs for your website or things like that. Are you guys profitable or, or are you not worried about that considering the funding raise? Yeah. So we're, we're not planning on being profitable this year or probably next year, but we do, we are going to get to a point where we consider what we are as, as operationally profitable, which means like we cover basically the cost of running, keeping the business running. So, you know, some personnel are nice to haves um, and we're not going to be covering those with our revenues, but we are covering the cost of customer support, the cost of marketing. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Got it. Got it. Well, guys, uh, again, this is super valuable, Ryan. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to link to these. I put these numbers in the show notes, okay, at NathanLacka.com forward slash the top seven four. And I think you guys are get a lot of value out of some of this stuff. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting, Ryan, because you guys are in an industry that, you know, you're not a marketing software or like a hosting software. It's like two really smart financial guys out operating everybody else in the lawn care space by cheaper prices, better and more easy and efficient pricing, better customer service, better schedule and you guys are crushing it. I mean, this is fantastic. Cool. Okay, Top Tribe, sponsors are wanting to pay me a lot of money to get on the show and I'm telling them all no because I don't want to waste your time. So help me out and go subscribe to the show in iTunes and then leave a rating and review. So with that being said, we're getting to my favorite part of the show. You know what's next? What's next? Dude, Ryan. <laughs> We've like known each other for four years. You don't know what's next on my freaking podcast? Uh, I think it's those questions. Dude, it's time for the famous five. Are you ready? No. All right. Well, I'm asking anyway. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, I'd say my favorite is probably uh, The Hard Thing About Hard Things uh, by Ben Horowitz. You know, it's funny, guys. I use follow-up on my computer to track when people open my email, and I see Ryan just opened the email because he's like, oh, shit, what are the questions? So, uh, shit, I, I thought I had the blocker on that. <laughs> Dude, I got you nailed down. <laughs> I love it. Number two, wh <laughs> which CEO are you following or studying right now? Uh, I So... I, I'm, I've started uh, reading a lot of Andy Grove's work, former CEO of Intel, I think. Um, yep. Yeah. Andy Grove's, there you go. Okay, number three, what's your favorite online tool? You know, something like Evernote. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I don't use too many tools, but the one that like, I could, like if, if they took it away, I would be dead is Google Docs, specifically the spreadsheets. Like I do everything in those. I probably have a hundred of them Holy uh, that, I used to, that I used to like communicate with the teams and whatnot. There you go. Google Docs. All right, Ryan, you and Steve and the whole team there, Jonas, you're building an empire. I want to know if you're doing it in a balanced way. So yes or no, do you get eight hours of sleep every night? I, th I think I do on average. I, I definitely didn't used to. I do now. Um, and you're obviously single, not married. The only kid you have is like your dog, Trevor, right? Yeah, he's, I don't know if he's more, more of a kid or more of like a life partner. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So no, 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 real no dating for you, Trevor. Trevor gets in the way. Uh, well, he attracts lots of girls, so you know, <laughs> it, he pays off. There you go. All right, Ryan, number five. You're only, what, 23, 24 years old. So take us back four, three years. Uh, if you wish your 20-year-old self knew one thing, 
like as you were accepting that sexy job out of college at Capital One or whatever, what would you tell your 20 year old self? So when I was, <laughs> when I was 20, I had like profound ex- respect for anything that, you know, experienced people would say. And I would tell myself that, you know, just because someone is older or more experienced or, you know, accomplished, like just their advice doesn't, isn't necessarily, you know, more relevant than somebody who isn't or, you know, to what you think natively. And I think when you're 20, you don't really have that many influencers in your life. So the few that you have that you kind of put on a pedestal because they're accomplished, uh, you tend to take whatever they say at face value. But in reality, you know, they're just kind of just saying whatever comes to them and it could be totally pulling it out of their ass. So it's like, you know, only you know the truth and like, don't necessarily, because if somebody tells you like, don't go start a company because, you know, you won't have health insurance or, you know, don't take any of that for face value. Like just because someone's experience doesn't mean that they're absolutely right. Well, guys, there you have it. Ryan, you're building a massive company. If people want to watch what you're doing and connect with you online, where can they do that? Uh, best would be Twitter uh, at RJ underscore Farley. There you guys have it from, you know, a hundred thousand dollar cushy job at Capital One to now his own startup in Austin, 19 employees, well over seven million in funding and almost half a million bucks in revenue in an unsexy industry. Ryan, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan. You bet. Take care. Bye bye. All right, guys, you're going to love my guest tomorrow. His name is Chris Merkel. A lot of you asked for him, and he breaks down how he went from an intern to landing his first deal for 60 grand to now in 2015, he's going to do $3 million in revenue, and the dude's only 28 years old. You're going to love him. Okay, Top Tribe, sponsors are wanting to pay me a lot of money to get on the show, and I'm telling them all no because I don't want to waste your time. So help me out and go subscribe to the show in iTunes and then leave a rating and review.